Hey everyone, and welcome back to Storytellers, where we are exploring simple truths with eternal impact through story. My name is James Savage. I serve as the Dixon Campus Pastor and your host for this podcast. Now, I hope that you got the chance to listen to week one of the podcast. And more than that, I hope that you got to spend time in God's word, reading the parable of the persistent widow and inviting God to speak his truth to you through that story. Now, if this is the first time tuning in, I am so glad that you are here. I also recommend that you pause right now and head to episode one. I would not want you to miss what we learned about in parables and storytelling. And I also would not want you to miss the incredible story that we got to hear from our very own community. Every week, we are going to be looking at a story or a parable from scripture and pairing those stories and parables with real life stories from our community. In doing so, we will see how scripture not only informs us of our past, but if we allow it, has the power to transform our lives today. With that being said, let's jump into week two of Storytellers. Last week, we talked about what parables are and why Jesus used them in his teaching. This week, I want us to take a look about how parables help us see God working in the world around us, particularly in our everyday lives. You see, there's evidence of God sprinkled throughout all of creation. This is something that Paul brought up in his letter to the Romans. He says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's not limited to church on a Sunday. As much as we love Bible studies and prayer meetings, he's not limited to those spaces either. He's also not limited to the high highs or the low lows of life. God can be seen just as clearly in the most mundane moments of our lives. And parables help us to see just that. If you're familiar with the parables, I want you to think about some of them that you may know. Many of the parables involve farming or family relationships. They involve losing things, which is something I am very familiar with. They involve everyday situations. Jesus would set up these everyday common situations so that listeners could see themselves in the story, but then Jesus would throw in a curveball. And with that curveball, he would begin to teach a truth about who God is and who we are so that when we experience the normal parts of life, we could see God there as well. Parables take the ordinary things and reveal where God is hidden among them. Last week, I taught you a phrase that I want you to remember today, that parables are an earthly story that teach a heavenly meaning. Keep that in mind as we read today's parable, the parable of the lost coin. But before we read it, I want you to know a few things about this parable. The parable of the lost coin is the second of three parables that Jesus taught back to back to back. He taught the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and then the parable of the lost son. 
If you zoom out and notice that, you might come to the conclusion that Jesus wants to teach us something about lost things being found. Now that plays a key role in understanding the point of this specific parable. In Luke chapter 15, we find the setting that Jesus teaches this parable in. He's surrounded by sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees. And the Pharisees are not happy with what's happening. See, sinners are really anyone who is pursuing their own life without God in the picture. Tax collectors were seen as worse than that. They were Jews who lived in Jerusalem, but they worked for the Roman government. Rome was occupying Jerusalem at this time. So they were seen as cultural traitors who also profited and became really rich off of overcharging the people that were previously their friends and even family. So when the Pharisees see Jesus hanging out with and even teaching sinners and tax collectors, they are very dissatisfied with what they are seeing. So imagine you are there. Jesus is surrounded by sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees, and everyone there is trying to figure out just what Jesus is getting at. Instead of rattling off some information about how people should follow God, Jesus, recognizing the complexity of this moment, chooses to tell a story. The last piece of context that you should know about is that when the woman in the story loses a coin, it's a big deal. That coin was probably worth about one day's wage. I mean, imagine if you were in that situation. What level of urgency would you go into to find a day's worth of wages? So with all of this in mind, let's read the parable of the lost coin. You can find it in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse eight. I'll be reading from the message translation. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, in light of the context of this parable and Jesus's comment in verse 10, we learn that Jesus is using this parable to remind us that everyone has value, even the sinners and even the tax collectors. And he's reminding this specifically to the people who are known as the religious elites, the ones who have all the social value, the ones who are at the top of the hierarchy are being reminded that one sinner who repents is worthy of celebration. He uses this story to tell them, this is why I hang out with these people because they matter too. In the same way that the woman sought the coin, God seeks us, even if we're the ones who are the sinners and tax collectors. Often in Jesus's parables, he would flip the script, turn everything upside down so that we could see the world the way that he saw the world. And in this parable, the sinners are the ones who have high value, are worthy to be searched for and worthy of celebration 
when they are found. Jesus takes the ordinary thing of life and pulls out extraordinary meaning with implications for you and for me. Just like last week, there is a lot more that we could pull from this parable, but instead of telling you everything that I think, I encourage you to spend time with this parable at home. Read it over and over and ask yourself, how does this parable teach me a little bit more about the heart of our heavenly father? This brings us to this episode's storyteller. Now, this is one I'm particularly excited about because it comes from our friend and fellow staff member at Crosspoint, Mindy McCombs. She serves as our Nashville Guest Experience Director, and she had an experience not too long ago that was the literal embodiment of the parable that we just read. The only difference is, to Mindy, this actually happened. Well, being part of guest experience, I think, is a funny opportunity to find people's things. (laughs) Every week, I feel like everybody, there's somebody leaves something. So let this be a PSA. If you've lost something, it's probably at Crosspoint. We have a bucket full of phones and cups and mugs. And so it's not uncommon for just this week, we had two people come up that were missing purses and glasses and sunglasses, like prescription sunglasses. And I still have a cell phone in this bucket. So it's just not uncommon for people to lose things all the time. But this instance was kind of different. We had two greeting leaders come up to me on the patio and they were very calm and non-anxious, but I could tell that there was a sense of urgency on their face that um, something had been lost and we needed to find it. And so they very calmly told me that this woman that they were with had lost something and she wanted to talk to me. When I finally made my way to the woman, we were right on the patio and the 11 o'clock was starting Nine o'clock had ended. So needless to say, if you've ever come to the Nashville campus, that parking lot is just booming and buzzing with people coming in and out. I would say that she was a middle-aged adult and had immediately looked at me and said, all of my friends are at brunch. They've stopped looking and I need your help. I've lost my engagement ring. And she just had tears rolling down her face. She said, we looked for 45 minutes and I haven't found anything, and I don't know what to do. And I think in that moment, so many things flooded to my mind when she said she thinks she lost, she said she thought she lost it in the parking lot. I know that the 11 o'clock is starting, nine o'clock is ending, and so I'm watching cars come in, come out. So I'm thinking about so many different things from safety to trying to help this person. And I think in just the nature of a person like myself, um, stopping long enough to pay attention to the person in front of me and realize that something has happened to her and it's really, really important. All of those things kind of happened at the same time. And man, the leaders to be able to recognize that this was something that we needed to pay extra close attention to was just amazing to me. So the very first thing we did, we just started praying first off to calm for God to bring peace around her and that God would help us find it. But I think in the middle of praying, just 
that still small voice I felt just started coming to my heart. I mean, immediately, I feel like God was downloading stuff to me about her, the lies that she was feeling about herself, not worthy to have an engage to get an engagement ring, which she's a middle-aged adult. I do not know her story. Um, but I just felt all of these lies that were creeping into her heart that she's finally got this engagement ring and she's lost it. All of her friends have given up on her and left and she's there alone looking for it. And we prayed into that, just even into the clumsiness of, you know, the lies we can tell ourselves in moments like that are lies from the enemy. But I don't think in those moments we call it for what it is. We just hear the negative things about ourselves and um, do what we can to find it and move on. But we just practically prayed for her that God would fill her with peace and that would comfort all of those areas and she wouldn't believe the lies that she was hearing in that moment and that God would bless the marriage that she was walking into and that he would just be in every moment that even her future husband would be calm as, you know, as all of this was happening. Because when something like that happens and you lose something, there's just tension around everything because uh, it's expensive, right? Um, priceless, as some would say. So one last thing that it was, it was a true prompt to pray. And I just felt like it was a last minute add-in on this prayer was just that God would, you know, put it right in front of our feet. And at the very end, we said, amen, and asked her, we're like, okay, what does the ring look like? And she was like, well, there's black stone with a, on the sides with a diamond in the middle and, and silver. And all that I'm thinking to myself is, oh, cool, it looks like a gravel parking lot that we're about to walk in. So I was so nervous um, when we stepped foot into the parking lot, but there was truly a calm in all of it. I mean in all of it. There was just a peace. It almost felt like we were going in together to accomplish a goal. So nobody felt alone anymore. There were two leaders from Guest Experience and myself walking alongside her. That alone just speaks volumes, right? Like I think going into something hard, and this feels like a first world problem, like to lose something. But to go at anything like that alone feels different than when you're walking with three additional people to accomplish a goal. If you know our campus, like when you walk off the front patio, you're in the parking lot. And she had mentioned that it was on the far, the main entrance of the lot. So at least probably like diamond of a baseball field away, pretty far. So we're looking down the whole time, get to the far end of the parking lot where the last cars would be parked before you hit the road. And everyone's ahead of me. I'm looking on the ground and literally everyone had already passed and right in front of my feet was this ring with black on the sides and a diamond in the middle. Um, and I think in that moment, I, I don't know why I was surprised to find it. You know, I don't know why. I don't know why when we pray for something specific that God's placed on our heart that we're surprised when he does what he says he's going to do. And I think one of the things that we are praying for her is to not be ashamed for what she was asking God for, because God cares about what she cares about, even if it's a ring, you know? And in that moment, I think what's so amazing, and I get, whew, 
I get emotional thinking about it now is um, the very first response of those guest experience leaders. And this woman we just met was to immediately pray again and praise God for um, leading our steps to, to it. She just started sobbing, sobbing and finding this ring. I mean, and I think that it went far beyond what the ring represented in her marriage, her future marriage. It, it kind of represented all the, all the things in her life, um, all of the things in her life that she was told, all of the lies that she had been believing for a long time, even the spouts of loneliness that she had like experienced up into that moment. And so it was just a pretty incredible moment. We were able to celebrate together and we immediately told her to go to brunch. And man, you should never, never know how much like an experience like that will microwave relationship till you're in it, you know, (laughs) but it was so incredible. This story comes to my heart a lot. Um, Just a reminder that, that God cares about the little things that I am talking to him about. I think that it's taught me that, I mean, in this instance, it just happened to be at my feet. But I think that that God uses other people in such a way. And just, I think it's beautiful to do it together. I've learned that God cares about us just with our relationship with Him, but also cares about our relationship with others as well. And what a gift people are here. He's also just taught me that in that moment, I truly feel like it was a non-anxious presence leading into the searching, but I truly felt immediate switch from this peace to like a joy mixed into it the second that we found it, that all of those things are characteristics of the Lord, to be able to weep with those who weep. Um, and rejoice with those who rejoice. And I think that I feel like I experienced all of that in a 30-minute time frame. And that is truly the the first time I've ever seen, like being able to sit with someone in sorrow and immediately find immediate joy, you know. There's one person, at least one person, experiencing that every day. Like the coming back to knowing the Lord. Do we have our eyes and hearts open to be able to even realize that someone is rejoicing? And I think the process is where my heart leans to most. Not only with the rejoicing once once someone has arrived to that point, but the urgency in searching, um, the intentionality in that. Then it truly takes walking alongside someone not with a necessary agenda, but more so just to walk alongside and to be arm in arm with what people are walking through to what God has for them. Because, you know, with every, once you've arrived, there's always something at the next, you know what I mean? Once you even have started a relationship with the Lord. So I think just being able to be fully present and aware so that when it comes time to rejoice, you're ready for that, you know? even more, it's even more of a joyful moment when you've been invited into someone's life and story. But we won't ever get that opportunity without, you know, an awareness and intentionality. Although the parables that Jesus taught were not real life stories, 
When we allow their truth to enter our heart, it gives us the ability to live out those truths in our lives and see the world the way that Jesus saw the world. They give us gospel lenses. That, I believe, is simply God's kindness towards us. My prayer for you today and this week is that you would see His goodness in the everyday moments of life. As we finish out today's episode, I want to remind you that we are all a part of the story that fits into God's bigger story. It's a story that He is still writing in my life and in yours. So as He reveals to you how your story fits into His, we'd love to hear about it at crosspoint.tv slash share your story. You can like and subscribe this podcast. If this episode has been meaningful to you, I hope that you share it. You can tag crosspoint at crosspoint.tv. And if we see that post, we might even be able to repost it. Follow along with our Storytellers Sunday series at crosspoint.tv slash watch now. And check out our show notes for questions that will help you go deeper as you explore this parable on your own throughout this week. Thanks for listening today. Next week, we're going to take a pause from parables, zoom way out and see how all of scripture is telling one singular story. We'll also get to hear from our friend, Ben, who has learned that even suffering can play a role in the grand story that God is writing. Here's a clip from next week. When Stacy gets there, they tell her and the doctors, um, I probably won't be able to walk or talk or work forever again. And they warmed her and getting, getting me ready for me when I wake up at some point. And they said, well, the odds of this are very, very, very slim. And I'm sorry, and she's scared. And the point of all this is I had a green. It seems a few seconds. And it wasn't like TV, just like that. I, I saw Jesus and I were walking just like that. And I couldn't see his face, but I knew it's him. And we were just walking along and all he said, and no no big things or anything like that, just all he said was, you're gonna be okay. So when I come to, I, I look at her and I go, it's gonna be okay. And he's like, no, it's not gonna be okay. You know, all this stuff is going on and, and you're, you're gonna be in bed your life. You can't do this, you can't do that. I said, well, that's what he said. <laughs>